Hey, this is Dave Burgess, and you are listening to The Dave Burgess Show, where we talk education, lifestyle, entrepreneurship, fitness, wellness, principles of success, interview elite performers in their field, and most importantly, cover topics that will empower, inspire, and uplift you. Let's go. Welcome to episode 41 of the Dave Burgess Show. And I'd like to start this by sending a special shout out to Lauren in Illinois, who sent me an email recently about a section of my book, Teach Like a Pirate. And she said that it had a big impact on her and her teaching buddy. And it was something that they were going to be really thinking about as they head into this next school year, working with some new curriculum. And it made me go back into Teach Like a Pirate, reread what I wrote, in a section called Classroom Kung Fu. And I'm going to read it basically word for word right out of my book, Classroom Kung Fu, uh, the section of Teach Like a Pirate, and then riff on it a little bit. And so here you go. This comes, depending on what version you have, it's on about 172 of the book. And it goes like this. Bruce Lee is probably the most famous name in martial arts history, but most people know little about him other than what they've garnered from watching his movies or hearing about his untimely death. Lee was a true visionary who transformed the martial arts landscape with his revolutionary style of teaching. I believe we can learn a lot from this master. Lee was trained in the classic Wing Chun style of Kung Fu, but in 1967, he broke away from it and created his own philosophy, which he called Jeet Kune Do. He felt that martial arts were artificially restricting their options by blind adherence to a particular style. Lee believed the most effective and practical plan would incorporate the best elements from multiple styles. He railed against the endless repetition of beautiful and flowery forms completely outside of the context of how those moves work in the real world. He was unconcerned with how pretty a move was. He only cared that it was effective in the real world. An actual combat situation is messy and unpredictable. And as we know, classrooms are the same way. Great teaching gets messy sometimes, and we have to constantly be aware of the changing landscape in our rooms and make moves based on what works, not on what is necessarily theoretically ideal or, God forbid, scripted. Great teaching, like a fight, can't be scripted. Occasionally, I watch professional development sessions and get the immediate sense the presenter is great at doing the classical forms but would get their ass kicked in front of a real class. Sorry to say it, but you know I'm right. Not to say they have nothing of value to offer, but their real world moves could use some work. Districts and schools always seem to be investing in the latest, greatest program to solve all of their problems. It doesn't work that way. No one program contains all of the best answers, just like no martial art style contains all the best moves. The best martial artists may take a throw from judo, a kick from taekwondo, a strike from karate. Likewise, teachers should not always allow themselves to be pigeonholed by some particular doctrine or program. Instead, we should always be seeking to add more and more effective moves to our teaching style, regardless of the source. Sometimes outside forces try to lock us into a particular style. Sometimes we do it to ourselves. Confession time. For years, I gloried in being the non-tech guy. 
I quickly rejected opportunities to incorporate more technology saying, hey, it's not my style. That attitude is just like the martial artist who rejects a practical and effective move because it's not part of Wing Chun or whatever style to which they belong. Bruce Lee was right. Sometimes labeling and declaring a style places limits on our growth. He was fearful that his followers would do this to Jeet Kune Do and constantly admonish them to not be concerned with the name. Have you limited yourself by blindly following a style or program? Are you training students to do beautiful and perfect repetitions of classical forms completely removed from the real world applications? In a real fight, you don't just start doing your moves in the prescribed order you learn them. Likewise, we don't want students who can just spit out facts, formulas, and equations. We want students who can take what they've learned and intelligently apply it to the real world around them. Stay fluid, keep learning, and keep up the relentless search for what is most effective. Feel free to leave some of your classical training behind. Teachers and students could both benefit from adopting a Jeet Kune Do philosophy in the classroom. Okay, so there it is, straight out of the pages of Teach Like a Pirate. And it reminds me of a quote that often gets attributed to Bruce Lee. Quotes are kind of this crazy thing where if you really start to research down into quotes, you find out that a lot of times uh, they're kind of hard to trace the, the roots of them. And so whenever you see a quote that there's about seven different versions of it, there's a chance that probably uh, the, the origin is a little bit dicey, right? So it's attributed to Bruce Lee, but I've seen it attributed to other people. It's going even to like some people have attributed it to uh, Mao Zedong. And so who originally said it? I'm not sure, but here's the quote. Absorb what is useful. Reject what is useless. Add what is essentially your own. This is very much the philosophy of Jeet Kune Do and also the philosophy of Teach Like a Pirate. I always bristle when someone claims that like, oh, I don't like, uh, I, I, I reject this Teach Like a Pirate thing, right? Because I want to teach like myself. It, it, not understanding that that's exactly what Teach Like a Pirate is about. Teach Like a Pirate is about looking around you, taking what you find to be useful in the real world with students, right? That's the, that's the key. Find what is useful in the real world with students Use that and add your own personality, your own strengths, your own voice to what you do. I think about this a lot when, about when I go to a conference, like say that I'm going to go to go to ISTE or I'm going to go to ASCD or any conference that I'm going to go to, right? Hey, I am not trying to buy into any one thing. I don't need to buy all of what a speaker says. I'm just looking for that nugget, that little, that, that small little key distinction, that one strategy that might help me. If I can go hear a speaker and I get one strategy, one idea that I can use in my classroom, use in my business, use in my speaking, whatever it might be, that is a success. I don't have to buy into the whole thing. Same thing with books. Some people are so upset when they read something in a book or a speaker says something that they disagree with. Hey, if it's if it's not useful for you, if you don't believe in it, reject it, move on. But that doesn't mean you have to reject the entire message. You can reject 99% of someone's message and still benefit from that 1% that might help you. You might reject 200 pages of what someone says in a book. But if there's five pages in there that can make a difference in your life, can make a difference in your classroom, make a difference in your school, and the difference in how you how you do things... That book was worthwhile. Those five pages, those key distinctions can be important, right? So always absorb what is useful. 
reject what is useless and then look to add what is essentially your own. Uh, so uh, I get nervous, just like he got nervous with Jeet Kondo. I get nervous sometimes with Teach Like a Pirate and people say things like, like, oh, like you're teaching like a pirate. Well, and like, um, that may be true. And I like that and I'm honored by it. But sometimes I I, I don't want it ever to be uh, the idea that like, hey, um, the only way you can teach like a pirate is dress up in a costume. Or the only way you can dress like a pirate or teach like a pirate is if you transform your classroom or anything like that. No, there's... 30 plus hooks inside of the book, right? And the costuming and the room transformation, all that, those, that's two out of 30. There's 28 other hooks in there, right? And so there's no particular one way to teach like a pirate. It's about looking at the world and always saying, how can I use that? What is what are other professions using their line of work that could be useful in my line of work? How could I do that? What are kids in, into outside of school? How can I use that inside of school? Always looking around the world and saying, how can I use that? Um, the same thing is true, like, for example, when I'm learning any like magic, I go to a magic lecture, listen, maybe the entire thing or a magic book, the entire thing, if I can just get one thing, one technique, one slight, one trick, one idea, one presentational hook from a magic lecture or a magic book that's going to be useful for me, that was a success. I consider that as money and time well invested. Chess is the same way. I can remember, you know, so uh, in, in learning chess, for example, a very small distinction can make a huge difference in your play. So uh, one of the most difficult things to learn in chess is to master the end game. And so if I'm in a rook and pawn end game and the opponent gets a passed pawn, means there's the, a, a passed pawn means there's no other pawns to stop it. It can just go to the end of the board and turn itself into a queen, right? Gets a passed pawn. And you have a rook, it might seem uh, intuitive that you would want to put the rook in front of that pawn, like to block it. Actually, I learned a key distinction a long time ago, many years ago, that the rook is most effectively placed behind the passed pawn. It would seem like you'd want to block it, but it's best placed behind the passed pawn in most situations. Well, that key distinction has made a huge difference in my ability to win games, my ability to draw games that might be that I might have lost before. And so always look for those small little key distinctions and don't be so concerned with things that you disagree with. Find what you do agree with. This is this happens on places like Twitter all the time, right? And like someone will uh they they read an entire book and what do they tweet about? They tweet about that one page where they disagreed with it and they're like trying to rip this person apart. It's like, wait a second. What about the 45 pages before that paragraph? What about the 45 pages after that paragraph? The 100 pages after that? Like uh, you agreed with all that stuff, but you went to Twitter with this one paragraph you had a problem with, right? Don't, Don't fall into this trap. It's wasted time. It's wasted energy. Okay. And so again, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, add what's essentially your own, adopt that Jeet Kune Do philosophy in the classroom, in your business, in your life. And I think it'll make you go far. Can't wait to see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Dave Burgess Show. Let's connect. I am at Burgess Dave on Twitter. My name just flipped around to Burgess Dave. On Instagram, I am DBC underscore INC, and I blog at DaveBurgess.com. Please share your thoughts and comments on social media using the hashtag Dave Burgess Show. 
It would mean the world to me if you share the show with friends and colleagues, and I would be honored if you left a positive review on whatever platform you listen on. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you have a question, a topic, or a guest recommendation for the show, just email me at dave at daveburgess.com, put podcast question in the subject line, and I absolutely cannot wait to join you on the next episode.